Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Hey, Andrew. Hey, Edwin. I want to talk about God today. That is a big topic. Big topic. Very big topic. I'll get comfortable in my chair. You get comfortable in your chair because you're going to talk about God today. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to learn a lot from you about God today. But when I say this, I want to talk about God as he really is, not as we want him to be. Okay. I want to talk about God as he's presented in the Bible in a way that a lot of folks today are embarrassed by. Well, I mean, let's talk about how he presents himself in Psalm 5. Let's talk about Psalm 5. And today I want to read from the New American Standard Bible, Psalm 5. And I realize that I had the wrong Bible in front of me. So let me get this open up. Psalm 5, New American Standard. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. So here's here's God. Here's God and David's faith in God. And David's faith in Mm -hmm. the God, he knows who God really is. Mm -hmm. And what keeps David faithful in this moment when he's being attacked is he knows God doesn't stand for evil. Okay. He knows that God judges evil. Mm-hmm. He knows that when people rebel against the Lord and his anointed, it may not happen today and it may not happen tomorrow, but God is going to bring judgment down upon them. So we see that particularly in verses four through six. Yeah. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. So that speaks to God's holiness. I wonder why someone would even get the idea that God could delight in wickedness or take pleasure in wickedness my guess would be because we see so much wickedness in this world around us this world he created and he's not doing anything about it it seems yeah a lot of it's times. a lot of go on so what what do you do you like this do you approve of this well it's like i remember one time uh, a fella saying you know i did this such and such thing and lightning didn't fall down from heaven so it must have been okay <laughs> the old lightning test <laughs> well you know in psalm uh, 73 uh, Asaph has mm-hmm. that problem. He yeah. looks around and he sees that the unrighteous are just getting away with it. And he says, so in vain was I righteous? Yeah. What's the point of pursuing this? Are, are you okay with this? Those are moments that certainly can test faith, that when it looks like everyone who does wrong ends up on top. Very frustrating. Yeah. 
Tell me, I, I can't remember from yesterday, the New King James there in verse 5, what does that say? The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Okay, so we've got that there. And, and the ESV also has, you hate all evildoers. That doesn't sound like God. Whew. Yeah, I thought uh, God hates sin but loves sinners. This is, this is <laughs> I mean, look, this is something we have to deal with. It, it, David makes it very clear. Look, you don't like this. You don't like it when people behave this way. And he, his faith is that there is judgment. And today, mm-hmm. today there are people who look back to God in the Bible and they see his judgment and they misdiagnose what's going on. So we were talking about uh, a couple of conversations ago. We were talking about uh, the the bridge from the book of Judges oh, to yeah. the monarchy and David. And we said at that time, notice this passage in Judges. In that time, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own sight. And we talked about how they were rejecting. They were pushing away their king, their God. And what you have in the book of Judges is this cycle Where the people will push away the will of God, the Israelites, I mean, they'll follow these other gods. And what happens? Well, God brings about, raises up an army, let's say the Philistines, right, or the Midianites, someone like this. And they then oppress and take captive the Israelites. There is a physical judgment upon the Israelites for their wickedness, for their breaking faith and breaking covenant. And sometimes it'll go on for like 40 years, a Mm -hmm. generation. And then they will cry out and they will repent to God and God would raise up a judge, a deliverer, like a Shamgar or, you know, Samson, Gideon, someone like this. Right? And I know you like Shamgar. I do. And so then there is deliverance. And now the Israelites are used to bring a judgment upon the wicked of the Philistines or the Midianites or what have you. They're freed. Sadly, it goes for about a generation of faithfulness to God. Then they're back into sinful ways and idolatry. And the cycle repeats itself. Round and round it goes in the book of Judges. And God is the ultimate judge. Mm-hmm. I think this is the thing people don't understand. I, you know, Abraham said, and he prayed to God, will not God of the earth do what is right? Mm-hmm. And that understanding that God will do what is right. We look back, especially in the Old Testament, and we see God's judgment on people, and we don't like it. We see it in concrete terms. I, I, I'm, let's put it that way, that you see this acting temporally. When Nadab and Abihu die, mm. there is a temporal judgment on this spiritual sin and wickedness. Yeah, right? fire coming down out of heaven. A lot of those episodes in the book of Judges. And so we see God acting. Here is justice. Here is judgment upon wickedness. But like you said a moment ago, it, uh, Asaph, he wasn't seeing it. Where's the judgment? Where's the fireman like Nadab and Abihu? And here it just looks like the you know the the wicked are winning. So what gives? What's the change? I think one of the things. Well, okay, let me back up before I get to that. And I think one of the issues that does cause people a lot of problem is the judgment that came upon the Philistines themselves and the Hittites and the Canaanites when God brought Israel into the land of promise mm-hmm. and had them execute horrific, terrible judgment on those nations. And of course, Mm -hmm. Israel got in trouble because they did not exercise it as thoroughly as they were supposed to. That's right. And so God gets labeled as genocidal. Mm -hmm. Uh, God gets labeled. But one of the things I think is often missed is God says to Abraham, look, 
there's going to come a day when your people come back into this nation, but their guilt isn't full yet. They don't deserve that kind of judgment yet. Mm -hmm. In other words, judgment is coming, but I'm going to give it to them when they deserve it. When it is just. I, I am not just saying, I know this is where they're going to end up, so let's just go ahead and judge them now. He's saying, when they deserve the judgment, then I'm going to bring the judgment on them. Yeah. And we, we miss that. I think there are people today. In fact, I was hearing a podcast a while back with a couple of guys who are atheists, and I enjoyed the podcast. But they got to this point where they were talking about the God of the Old Testament. And it was just, you know, for them, they were just laughing and chuckling about how awful it is and how blind we are because people like you and me, we just grew up with the Bible. We don't pay attention to this. And what I want to say, and I couldn't find a way to contact them, but what I want to say is we're not blind. We see it. It bothers us. But we've spent some time studying what's going on. And what's happening here is if God really is out there, Mm -hmm. doesn't it stand to reason he's the judge? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the mere fact that you're saying how awful it is that he behaves like this says that that you think there's some type of moral standard. Yeah. That there is some ultimate good that governs the world that everybody should live by. And you think this this biblical God has violated it. Mm-hmm. But but that alone says that there's something, someone out there that says there's a law of good. Mm-hmm. And that's that's who God is. He's the one that has created that law of what is good. And when he sees it violated... He gets to judge it. I think that's really something you have to wrestle with. If you're going to take the position of atheistic and there is no God, then then where in the world would this sense of righteousness and morality come from? That Then you're going to turn around and say the God of the Bible does not live up to it. Yeah. Uh, it is a quandary. So picturing God as a bully... Mm-hmm. as a vigilante, is a complete mistake of what's going on. It's kind of like this. If you, Andrew, stole, got into our, our fridge over here and stole my lunch, mm-hmm. and so I walked in there and I put you in handcuffs and I locked you in a room somewhere because you're a thief, mm-hmm. well, now that would be me, vigilante, probably being a bully. You didn't do things the way I want. But if charges are brought against you and you go to trial and the judge has you locked up in a room somewhere because of your theft, That is not being a bully or a vigilante. That is justice being meted out. And I think where people miss this is that, yes, I get it. If men on their own decided to do some of the things that God does, we would be being bullies. We would be being vigilantes because we have no right or authority or perspective Mm -hmm. from which to make those decisions fully. But God, being creator of the universe, Mm -hmm. being fully holy, he has the proper perspective. He has the right authority. He is the one that is allowed to be the judge. And let's face it, we all want someone to be the judge. We are torn with a desire, a great desire, to see justice. And we are talking about God as the judge. But then when we realize what justice demands, I think there's a fear we may be on the wrong side of it, right? (laughs) I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) That is exactly what I was thinking, that maybe that's my problem. I love justice when it's on you. Yeah, when it's on my enemy. And if you do, well, you're not my enemy, but I I love justice when it's on them. When, when, I mean, I want justice against Hitler. Sure. You know, I, I want justice against the sex traffickers in the world today. That You know, I, I don't get upset when I f- find out that child pornographers have been caught in a sting and they've all been thrown into jail. I don't get upset about that. No, of course I don't not. complain that the police or the judges are bullies or mean. I say justice has been served. The problem is when I get into the Bible 
and I start pushing that and I start seeing it and I start reading it, I start to realize, wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean that applies to me also? Well, hey, look at Psalm 5 verse 6 in that light. When, he, when David prays or sings, you shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. I'm not bloodthirsty. Yeah, but I'm saying that David was called the man of blood. Why? He's the one that's been guilty of the murder. David, the man after God's own heart, is the one that had the lie and the cover-up with Uriah's death and marrying Bathsheba. And now, if the background of this psalm is also on the run from Absalom, it's a time of, of judgment, right, on all those things. And yet, he's not being destroyed and overcome. God really does hate falsehood, bloodthirstiness, murder, etc. But he's also merciful. In the next verse, David says, uh, I must go to the multitude of your mercy. Yeah. And so this God who is just against unrighteousness and evil, uh, he is also merciful for those that would repent and be restored to him. I thought you were going to go in a different direction when you got started. That's why I said I'm not bloodthirsty. Yeah. Because what I was doing was finding the thing on this list that I haven't done. Sure. But there is something on this list I have done. Mm. I have spoken falsehood. Mm. I've lied. Mm-hmm. I have been a deceitful person. Mm-hmm. I've tried to cover things up and hide things. And again, it gets me back to I start to realize, oh, no, I don't like this idea of God being a just God, because in the end, that's going to get me. Right. And what I find is all of this stuff here in about God's judgment as he as he meets it out in terrible ways. And I mean that in the full sense of not just, oh, I don't like it. I mean terrible, awesome, terrible ways. Mm, Yeah. Is it's driving home the message to me, this is what I deserve. Right. This is what I deserve. I think the other day in my reading, I I was back in um, Numbers after Korah, Dathan, and Byram's rebellion, Mm -hmm. and they were swallowed up by the earth. Another one of those places that folks wouldn't understand, but God is the judge. And the Israelites cry out to Moses, look at what you have done to the Lord's people. Are we all to perish? And that question really stuck with me because I realized, no, the answer is, no, we are not all to perish. We all deserve to perish, Mm -hmm. but actually only one perishes, and that's Jesus. And if I turn to him, the answer to that question is, no, I don't have to perish. All of that Mm -hmm. showing who God is and the judgment and the justice that he meets out that drives me to realize I deserve it is what sends me to Jesus, the only place I can find that mercy you were talking about just a minute ago. Mm -hmm. And David found it there. Well, I tell you, uh, it's been a great conversation here today in Psalm 5, thinking about our real king and knowing him as he is revealed in the Bible. What are you learning about God as you read the Bible? Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Why don't we end with a prayer? Our great God and Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your revelation of yourself and your word and beautiful passages of poetry like the Psalms. Father, where we see you in the heights of your majesty. But Father, we are also humbled and learn to fear you for your great justice. We want to know you and all of you. And we thank you, Father, for the grace and mercy that you've given us this day to get a little clearer picture from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,